It's time for JT the Brick. Receiver from the University of Colorado, number 21, Cliff Branch. We kick off the summer of Cliff Branch. Puckett drops back to pass. Steps up. He looks. Over the middle. He's got it. Touchdown Raiders! That's by Cliff Branch! The summer of Cliff. Cliff Branch. All summer long. JT the Brick. Prepare your phone call. I want Cliff content from you. Stabler plays fake back to pass. Gets a big rush out. He'll cut the man. Stabler's throwing deep for Branch. He's got it. What separated Cliff was he was amazing, meticulous route runner. As we count down to Cliff, the summer of Cliff on the flagship. And now, here's JT the Brick. Yes, good to be back on Raider Nation Radio. Raider Nation Unite, the summer of Cliff Branch. As we continue on, Cliff content every day as we can't count down to Canton, Ohio, and Cliff Branch's induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And uh, I'm asking you for one favor. If you're going to Canton, I'll see you there. If not, I'll put together a Cliff Branch phone call about the impact that he had on your life. As a fan, a human being, Raider Nation, all of that. Low-hanging summer fruit. Cliff Branch is going into the Hall of Fame. We are stepping up our content with Cliff, just telling stories, playing sound bites, conversations, and all of that. And we'd like you to participate. So welcome into the show on a ripping hot Monday. I just got back from a long weekend in Park City, Utah. First time I ever went there. Went with a couple of buddies and wives. A golf trip. I had played a couple of rounds of golf up there. I wish we could play in that elevation. Every time you play golf, got out of the heat. It's 103 degrees in Salt Lake. Luckily, we're up in the mountains there. A little bit cooler, but never been there. And, you know, I've been to a lot of ski towns before in Colorado, but never been there and had a blast. And I recommend that place for everybody. It was off the charts. If you're going on a guy's trip or a wife's trip, wink, wink. You go with your buddies. There's a lot to do there, hiking, sports, anything you want to do. You bring your significant other. There's a lot to do, hiking, spas, and all that. We had a great time, so good to be back and got home yesterday, and now it is 105 degrees in Las Vegas. The high today will be 110 at 6 p.m. After the show, I'm heading over to Summer League. I'm uh, going to spend a couple hours there, hang out with Kurt Heal and Olden Polony, some friends of the show that we have on, uh, have a long, late lunch with a couple of guys, and uh, get ready for Summer League. Excited about that. Summer League is off to another Big, big start here in town. It's a great way to showcase Vegas in the summertime. It's a great place to cool off inside Cox Pavilion or inside the Thomas and Mac, <coughs> wherever you may be, and have a great time there. So head on out to Summer League as we always talk about that. Uh, NBA content is all about Sandra Douglas Morgan as the new president of the Raiders. We didn't have a lot of opportunity heading into the weekend to dive into this. I'd really like to open up the phones now that you've seen this, all the PR, all the positive press on this move, as the Raiders have a new president, and she's supposed to come on with us possibly Wednesday. We're working on that. Uh, no promises yet. If, we ever, if we're able to do that, great, but I'm looking forward to talking to her as the new president of the Silver and Black, what her goals are, what she'd like to do, how she's going to put her stamp on this and what the Raiders could look forward to. I think the Raiders have had a really, really impressive offseason. They have. And if you look at the hiring of a new president, that's always a big thing. And it's positive press for the Raiders for a number of reasons. The candidate who is now the president, her qualifications and what she brings to the organization going forward. Every single Raider fan that I've talked to, every single Raider fan that I've looked at some of the social media is positive on this. 
and I've liked some of the other presidents in the past. They've always been good to me. Can't tell you how many text messages I've gotten. What do you think? It's what I think about everybody. Everybody who's ever worked for the Raiders. You get a job like this, you come in, we all pull for you. Everybody in the building is pulling for the president, a vice president, new human resources, new wide receiver, Devontae Adams, new edge rusher, Chandler Jones. The, the, the conversation in Vegas has calmed down a lot since the Raiders moved here. And fortunately for me, I was in the front lines of all this. The move, getting out of Oakland, why were the Raiders leaving Oakland, what was the deal politically, Livy Shaft going through the Coliseum, blah, blah, blah. And I was there, and I was getting beat up for a number of years, and good, that's what I get paid to do. I'll take a hit every once in a while as everybody was just in a panic, pissed off, or not understanding everything. I just said on the radio every day, let it happen. They're not moving because of me. They're not moving because they ran it by me, and now they moved here, and it's one of the most successful moves financially in NFL history. That's the fact, that the move financially for the Las Vegas Raiders and the NFL as a whole is one of the most successful transitions from one market to another. And any Raider fan, even the Raider fans from Oakland, who really took it the hardest, and we know why, they've come to Vegas and seen this palace and said, oh my God, oh my God, look at this place, this is incredible. So there's only a tiny percentage of fans left who are talking about that, and God knows how long we talked about that. Right? I can't get those years back of talking about why, if, when, could we, where's the money, how are you going to do it, where they move. Oh, God, that's so far in the past, and it's not really that far in the past. For me, it feels like it's 10 years ago. It was just a few short years ago. And then the construction of Tommy White and the laborers who came in here and built this thing on time, under budget. Let me repeat that, on time and under budget. And then what happened with the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. And how amazing that looks. And now the Raiders have stability when it comes to a home field. Now, we'd like more Raider fans to go to the home games. But Raider fans are looking at StubHub every once in a while a little bit too much. But that'll weed itself out. That'll weed itself out in years to come. And then we take a look at the roster. That has been tremendously upgraded in a division that's the most tough in all of football. It'd be nice if the Raiders played in the AFC West the last 20, excuse me, the AFC East the last 20 years and got to feast on Buffalo, the Jets, and the Dolphins. They don't. And now the Raiders have a brutal schedule. I call it brutal. You know, there's categories easy, fair, hard, or brutal. This is somewhere between hard and brutal, but they get paid to win games, take it one game at a time. Hate that cliche. But this year on this show, it's going to be a lot of this one game at a time for me. I'm not looking out six weeks. I'm looking Chargers, and I'm looking home opener against Arizona. That's where my focus is on as we welcome you into the summer of Cliff Branch. More on Cliff Branch. Right before the show, I was just talking to Cliff, uh, Fred Bolitnikoff. I talk to Fred almost every day. He's like a second dad to me. I got one dad, but I love to talk to Fred, and we talk a lot about football, and we're talking a lot about Canton. What a role Fred Bolitnikoff plays in the mentoring of Cliff Branch, right? Fred's in the Hall of Fame for a long time and waiting and, and po politicking and talking to people along with Mark Davis and Marcus Allen and all the great Raiders, and Cliff finally gets his day. And we're under a month, everybody. We're, we're through under three weeks. So when it comes to this, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal on what we need to do for Cliff Branch. So... We'll be at the party, and we'll tell you what the party was like.
but we need to make it a party before his party. Do we get it? We need to turn this summer into Cliff. So anything you got on Cliff Branch, it's Monday. We got thousands upon thousands of people that listen to this show because of that Raiders mobile app. And if you're listening on the Raiders mobile app, pause the show, call the show. That's all you got to do. 702-365-9200 on what Cliff Branch meant to you. And then we'll throw in some guests. Now, Andy Parker, who played alongside of him, great special teams player, former tight end. Uh, We got Kenny King this week. And we're working on the Mount Rushmore of Cliff Branch teammates coming up here over the next couple of weeks. So I mentioned NBA Summer League. I mentioned the Summer of Cliff. Let me mention our partner, Golden Entertainment, who owns PTs, 64-plus locations in the Valley. Come and cool off for the best happy hour in town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2 a.m. A great place to watch sports, a great place to hang out and game, and a great summer lunch menu if you want to go try it. They're always tweaking the menu to try to make it great for you. PTs fuels the monologue as we get going. Great to see Derek Carr, Marcus Allen, Tim Brown, Amongst the Raiders who played in the American Century Celebrity Tournament, Steph Curry was up there. Tony Romo ended up winning it. So he won the American Century Championship for the third time. And it was pretty exciting because he had to get into the playoffs, and then he won in the playoff. Romo also birdied the par 5 18th in regulation, turned three points and match Mulder. And Pavelski with 62 points at Edgewood Tahoe. And all the social media, I saw Derek Carr hitting a three-pointer on the beach and hanging out with his entire extended family because his brother was there. I kept tweeting about this. Really happy for Derek. I hosted my show up there exclusively for 10 years. So I've been going to that event forever. And now they have a, a different radio partner. And for Derek and his family to be invited up there and for him to play in that and be competitive... That's going to be a family vacation for him for hopefully a decade where he can go back and even longer than that, bring his wife and kids, and his kids can grow up on the lake and have a nice summer vacation for four or five days. It really looked like Derek Carr had a fantastic time up in Tahoe. I can't wait to interview him again or see him in the building and ask him about that because he looked like he was having a blast. All right, back to uh, Sandra Douglas Morgan. She was introduced Thursday as the Raiders' new team president. And I thought this was a big deal because of her Vegas connection. When we look at the connection of her being here for four decades growing up here, she understands the importance of this market branded and connected to this football team. Again, the the Las Vegas connection was not a criteria, but it was something that was on the positive side of the ledger. Um, Obviously, somebody that knows this community, knows the people in it, I think is very important for us to continue to build our foundation in Las Vegas. Um, we've been here really about four, four and a half years uh, trying to build build bridges within the community and everything else. And uh, I think having Sandra here who knows the community as well as she does is going to be a very important part of helping that process. Yeah. And Ron, as, as you know, a local who grew up here, this is a dream come true. This wouldn't have been possible for someone in Las Vegas to have an opportunity to lead a professional sports organization more than three years ago. Um, so, you know, the the opportunity that Mark has, has granted and just being a part of the Raiders is obviously an incredible privilege, but it's just as important that he understands the value that I could bring as well. 
I thought that was a really important soundbite to lead off the show with. It wasn't imperative that this was a local, but the fact that it was, I think, makes this really unique with our connection to the community here and what she can bring with her resume and what she's accomplished here already. That makes sense. Now, look, if they found a candidate that they thought was better from Jacksonville or Detroit with previous knowledge of running an NFL team as a vice president or someone who's been working with the team a long time, no problem with that either. But this makes sense because of the Vegas connection here, because part of that role as the president is bringing in new business and growing the business that they have and running the team on a day-to-day basis, and she has the qualifications to do it, and everybody knows that. Everybody knows that who's in the organization or outside the organization. So big deal there as we're recapping what's happened since Thursday. Now being the first black woman in this position is, is perfect for the Raiders because of the legacy of Al Davis, Mark Davis, Mrs. Davis, and what they've done in the past as a family. It's the perfect fit. I have been the first in, in other positions that I've held, whether it be city attorney or the gaming control board. I definitely never want to be the last. And I went to get to a point, obviously, where there is no, no more first. Um, but as I kind of mentioned in my comments, you know, the, the impact that this has is not lost on me. If I definitely would tip my hat to all of the former, or not former, prior women that were leaders and visionaries. And if I could be an inspiration or help or open doors for any other woman and girl out there, then um, that's, that's an incredible accomplishment for me. So the importance and effect of it is not lost on me. And I know that sports is a male-dominated industry, just as gaming was. And, you know, we need to continue to break down these barriers. So I'm, I'm happy to be here. And, again, thankful for the opportunity. It definitely breaks down barriers. It's, it's amazing that Sandra Douglas Morgan in this position will have an opportunity to mentor others and young girls around this country can point to her and say, I can do that. I want to do that someday. That's very important. And that's classic Raiders. Uh, More from the press conference on her background, which was really important because you're competing against others to get this position. And the fact that she has an impressive resume and all of her experience got her in this job. Sure. Well, I've been an attorney for 20 years, but I have led and managed very large teams uh, managing, you know, budgets of hundreds of millions of dollars. I've had the honor of serving on boards of public companies that have market capitalization of over billions of dollars. And so I think my um, business acumen will definitely benefit the Raiders. I think my community contacts here will assist a lot of our stakeholders and um, partners. I've had to deal with maybe in a different role as a regulator, but just as important here with the Raiders. I definitely will lean on and can't wait to to work with uh, Dave Ziegler and Coach McDaniels as well. I know that their expertise on the football side is a tremendous asset to the Raiders. Um, There's been a, a lot of changes over the last six months, but I know that Mark has made those intentionally and just really looking forward to the future. All right, so that was Thursday. We covered that live. I was off on Friday. I'm back here on Monday, and we got Raider fans all over the world. I want your opinion on this. Again, we don't do third-string cornerbacks on this show. Never have, never will in July. We try to talk about the big issues, or I move right to the NBA and baseball. Okay, I'm not looking for, I'm not begging for Raider fans to talk about who's going to be our backup punter. Not happening. We got plenty of that, and we're never going to work in six days a week when the season starts from the preseason on to talk about position battles and everything else. The top story in Raider Nation, nothing's even closer, is Sandra Douglas Morgan as the new president of the team. What is your opinion on this move? What would you like to see her do? What are your expectations of her in this role? Uh, working, I love that soundbite as Bobby pulled it. 
because she's going to work with Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. But, you know, if you know the NFL, usually every NFL facility has a football side, which is the coaches and the players, and a business side. And you want to try to bridge that. You want to try to bridge that. And what makes this very unique is that she has never been an NFL president, and Dave Ziegler's never been an NFL GM until now, and I, I like the job he's doing. And Josh McDaniels, really, this is his second time around as a head coach, and it seems like they're all on the same page, along with Mark Davis, who wanted to make this move. There's been a lot of turnover at the president position, and they needed to make this move, and they did. So we'll see how it plays out. I encourage everybody to get behind and support the new president of the Raiders to see where this is going to go next. And I have no idea where it's going to go next. I don't know about what her vision is until I interview her, and hopefully we're able to do that this week. But it's an exciting time. And if you look at the Raiders offseason, so what's been the other big moves? In, in any particular order, Devontae Adams coming in, the Max Crosby extension, the Derek Carr extension, the Hunter Renfro extension. Oh, my God. I mean, that's a pretty big offseason with a new president and Cliff Branch going into the Hall of Fame. He's going to dominate Canton. A a new coach and a new GM. I mean, check all of that. That is a really big offseason for a football team. If you add up all that, name another team in the NFL that got a new GM, a new head coach, a new president, and brought in Chandler Jones, Devontae Adams, and then extended players. If you look at all that together, you have to at least say, you don't have to love every move, but you could say, man, the Raiders have been pretty busy. And why did they have to get this busy? They won 10 games last year. They want to get better on the field. They wanted to have a unique environment, a different environment inside the building with the new president. They wanted to do all this, and they've done it right around the 4th of July. It's all behind them now. Now the Raiders can go forward and get ready for football season. And the football season is going to come on us pretty quick here. So the Raiders report to camp first. Rookies will report to camp next week. And then the veterans behind them. And then we're going to have some fun. You know, I'm going to go around the league and talk to radio hosts and insiders from the Broncos, Kansas City, and the Chargers. Find out how this plays out. And then just concentrate on the first two games of the year. It's all going to be that. It's going to be really fun to do that. Because the first two games of the year are the Chargers in Arizona. And that both provides, I think, a lot of complications. You know, short travel in game one in what should be a home game. And then you turn around with a team that has short travel coming in from Arizona, and they're going to be playing their first time in this beautiful stadium. And they're going to be pumped up. There's no more Heinz Field. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers want to talk about a cheap deal. Heinz paid close to nothing for that deal over the year. Heinz Field... The naming rights opened with the new stadium in 2001. Now, a Krischer Stadium, if I got that wrong, or a Krischer, I don't know it. I've got a fourth-grade vocabulary here. I've never heard of this company. That begins this season on a booming, booming naming rights deal. So they, they operate a top-10 global insurance broker, and they've grown their revenue for more than $3.8 billion over eight years. It also has the naming rights to an indoor arena being constructed, constructed in Palm Springs. So that's where we're at with that, and that's a big story today. Now, the biggest story in the NFL is going to be Deshaun Watson. As the judge in this case has heard the live testimonies from the NFL side and the union side, now they have to come up with the decision on what they're going to do. 
and she has the opportunity to recommend to Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell will have a say in all of this, but bringing in an independent judge to help with this decision was the way that the NFL wanted to put out an olive branch to the players in regards to the situation so it wasn't Roger Goodell being the complete judge and jury on this. I've been reporting and saying from day one that Deshaun Watson's going to get a year suspension. He will appeal it and lose. So I'll stay with that again. Anything under a year, I won't agree with because this would be a precedent set for lewd conduct and bad behavior where an individual who's getting $230 million guaranteed would only get a slap on the wrist. Eight, ten games, slap on the wrist. Slap on the wrist, and the league looks ridiculous if they do that. A year or more, they might do a year and keep it open-ended. I don't think it should be open-ended for another year. I think a year is a really aggressive penalty. It is fair, and we'll see how that plays out. The Broncos' ownership announced that Condoleezza Rice is now a minority owner in the Denver Broncos. Former U.S. Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice has joined the incoming ownership of the Denver Broncos, and that is a big deal when it comes to the glass ceiling and what's happening in the NFL. From Condoleezza Rice, quote, It's an honor to be part of this ownership group. Football has been an integral part of my life. Since the moment it was introduced to me, I am thrilled to be part of the Broncos organization. Today, I spent much of my younger years in Denver, So to be able to combine my love of the game and my love for this great city and team is an adventure of a lifetime and a great opportunity. In June, a group led by Walmart heir Rob Walton, that includes Walton's daughter, husband, and some other individuals bought the team for $4.65 billion. So think about this. You got all the Kroenke money, which is big, and the Kroenke money connected through Walmart on that side owns the Rams? The, uh, the the Colorado Avalanche that won the Stanley Cup and Denver's basketball team, the Nuggets, has the back-to-back MVP. Now the Walton family's involved in this deal in Denver. I mean, we're talking big money. I mean, the type of money, and thank God there's a cap. Thank God there's a cap with this Walton money in the Denver Broncos. Imagine if there wasn't. I mean, they, they 100 million falls out of their pockets. They don't even know it. So big, huge money entering the NFL. And I think that's great for Mark Davis and the Raiders. Everybody's net worth goes up. The price of all these NFL teams go up. And I just think it's going to make for a much more exciting time going forward. Still waiting on the Daniel Snyder news as he claims he wants to testify by video. They're trying to bang out that deal. It's incredible to me how the NFL isn't covering the Daniel Snyder story. One guy, Mike Florio, every day talks about it. No one else does. If you believe in collusion, if you believe in suppression of information or journalism at the highest level, uh, no one talks about Daniel Snyder other than this show and what he did and what's happening there. We'll keep an eye on that because there could be something trending to that this week. And then finally, the MLB All-Star Game will be played in L.A. at Chavez Ravine, which is a big deal next week. Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera were given some type of exemption to play in the game. Okay, let me get this off my chest. Okay, you don't do that. You don't let you invite the guys to show up to the game and to come out on the field and tip their cap. You don't take an at bat away from a rookie or a young player in the league that might not get an at bat because Albert Pulholtz and Miggy Cabrera want to get an at bat. You might not agree with me on this, but every, it's such a juice box thing. Everybody's got to be soft. Everybody's got no. They were all stars. 
They were all-stars for decades. They don't have to be an all-star again. You can invite them out to put their uniform on and hand in the lineup cards and be out there for a ceremony. But they're going to play in the game. Albert Pujols is batting 215, and he's an all-star. Give me a break. So that's a big baseball story. Uh, Yankees and the Red Sox were great over the weekend. I want to go to the Djokovic uh, final at Wimbledon, which I thought was a great tennis match. I woke up up in uh, Park City on Sunday, had a cup of coffee with my buddies, and we put on that fourth set, and it was classic. It was a great match, and the Joker wins again. And now a big forehand in the same spot. That was right on the baseline. Kyrgios gets it back. He's into the net. Novak Djokovic, arms aloft. It's a magnificent seventh Wimbledon title for Novak Djokovic. All right, that's on ESPN or Sirius XM on the call on the Tennis Channel there. 702-365-9200. 24 minutes into the show, no calls on Cliff Branch. I will stop the show and do it again. Because that's one thing about me. You're not going to get me down. I could give a crap. I'm talking Cliff Branch. I'm going to go over the top with Cliff. I'll tell my own stories, but we're trying to get you to contribute with the Summer of Cliff. We put a lot of work into this. We got former teammates coming up today. We'd like to mix in a call or two as we get rolling. 702-365-9200 on the flagship of the Raiders on Cliff Branch going into the Hall of Fame. Got it? Thank you. When we come back, we'll talk to former teammate Andy Parker will join us. We're going up for the big Mount Rushmore guys later next week. And we'll tell you about the festivities that are coming up in Canton. Amin El Hassan will join us from NBA Summer League. You hear him on the Dan Lebetard show if you listen. He's an NBA insider. He's out there. He's going to break away and give us some time to talk about the success of Summer League. And then baseball inside of Maury Brown from Forbes on the A's and what's going to happen in Vegas. This JT the Brick Legends moment is brought to you by M Resort, the official team headquarters hotel of the Las Vegas Raiders. Cliff has just as good as numbers as anybody. I mean, here's a guy, his first Super Bowl was with us in 77, then on for a couple more, and played well, and played great, had great years. And he matches with anybody, you know, because he, he just, I, I wouldn't just say it, you know, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Fred Belitnikoff, the summer of Cliff Branch, brought to you by M Resort Spawn Casino. Whenever we talk to a former Raider, we give credit to M and go to the Raiders Tavern and Grill and experience great food and the Raider Nation inside the official team hotel of the Silver and Black. Former tight end Andy Parker, kind enough to join us, played with the Raiders 84 through 88 back in 1990, and he'll be in Canton, Ohio. Andy, thanks for doing this. We're excited about this, and we're talking Cliff Branch. How are you? I'm doing good, thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, I just got back from Utah. I was up in Park City over the weekend. You played college there. It's 110 today in Vegas. It was so good to get away and go to Utah. Uh, give me your memories, born in Redlands, and how you ended up playing college football in Utah. What was your high school experience like before you went and played for the Utes? Well, I was uh, recruited as a linebacker, supposed to go to University of Washington, and at the very end uh, of the recruiting season, um, they reneged, and I was kind of left out hanging out to dry. And um, this coach, who now is a very famous coach, uh, Ron McBride, 
uh, was, you know, came and was looking for a tight end and kind of desperate for a tight end. And I, um, you know, this is after the signing date and everything. I basically just ran a 40 for him and caught some balls and they offered me a scholarship. Incredible. So it changes that quickly for you. You get an opportunity to play at Utah and stand out. Fifth round pick, 127 overall in 1984 to the Raiders. And I ask everyone that question. What Mr. Davis had you on the radar at that point? Was it your hands, your speed, your blocking? And we'll get to your great special teams career. What did Mr. Davis see in you? Well, uh, I, I can't speak to that other than, um, you know, I could I could block and I could catch. I think the big question mark is, you know, could I catch? And, you know, that season I had a, you know, I, I basically proved that I could catch. They knew I could block, but they didn't know if I could catch. And I had a pretty good season. I got like 33 balls that season and had some good catches. And so that kind of removed that question mark. And then uh, I think from the, you know, I came out ranked second in the country and at the Combine. Um, and uh, then it was then it was like okay this guy's you know he, he can do the deal so that's uh, that's pretty much my journey and then um, you know kind of went on from there and then you know as far as uh, you know the special teams thing goes um, they needed somebody to cover kicks uh, in one game and they came to me and said hey can you cover a kick I'm like why not you know because I'm, I'm I'm really a linebacker at heart and so. Um, uh, after they could see that I could cover kicks and many other things, I, I, I basically came into becoming a human missile <laughs> and special teams captain and, you know, just kind of things evolved from there. But, um, yeah, it, it was, uh, yeah, it, it was sort of what, you know, I think I was an enigma for a lot of people because they're like, how can a tight end cover kicks like this? And I'm like, well, I'm really a linebacker it, at heart. So, it was, uh, it was kind of fun. Andy Parker is our guest, a former Raider tight end, special teams player. I'm really fascinated by that because uh, from talking to other people today before I was going to interview you, your special teams and being a really good blocker and a leader in the locker room, and you were really a prepared player, studied hard, practiced hard. When you become the captain of the special teams, that's a high honor in Raider history. I mean, that, that you were chosen that by your peers to do that. What did that feel like coming into every game, knowing you were going to be that missile, have to do some goal line blocking, but really stand out on special teams to keep your job and remain with this team even when you were a captain? Well, you know, the old saying, the more that you can do, right? Yes. So I was uh, playing behind Todd Christensen, you know, arguably, you know, one of the best tight ends in the league at the time, and maybe of all time, but, uh, you know, I had to figure out what I could do, and so that's what I did. I figured, well, if I could if I could block, if I could, you know, be a solid backup, if I could, you know, cover kicks, if I could snap, if I, you know, whatever I could do, you know, that's what I tried to do, and, you know. Yeah, the rest you know, of I lasted for six or seven years, so. Uh, what was it like at the Coliseum <laughs> when those kicks are high in the sky and uh, you're taking a look at that, you're trying to get downfield and in front of some of those enormous crowds that you played in front of in L.A.? What are some of your best memories? Well, you know, you, you don't really think about that. You're, you, you're kind of like a greyhound chasing a <laughs> rabbit, you know, just, uh, it's, it's, you know, you're singly focused, you know, on the guy with the ball, so. I didn't think too much about that. 
Andy, you were, the guys you played next to when you blocked this tight end, those great offensive linemen, what were some of your memories of the great teammates that you had during that stretch uh, coming off a Raiders Super Bowl, the team you played on, and all those great players, uh, several of them future, future Hall of Famers? Yeah, well, you know, Henry Lawrence, killer, you know, mm-hmm. and Bruce Davis uh, were two, two of the best. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I felt very comfortable being next to them. I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed my time w- with them, and uh, you know it was uh, it was very physical. <laughs> That's all I did was like short yardage, goal line stuff, and coming in, you know, crucial times, and you know uh, everybody knew what was coming. Just smash mouth football. Yeah, it was smash mouth football. You're a big part of it. Former Raider tight end Andy Parker. Andy, how did your body hold up now in life? Uh, you talked about being that human missile and all the tackles, and especially the practices. When I talk to individuals from your era, the two-a-days, the degree of difficulty of those practices in training camp. Can you share that, what you did with your body and how you put it on the line and the, and the damage that your body took your whole career? The word that comes to my mind is brutal. Yeah. It was brutal. I mean, both physically and mentally, right? So, I mean, right now it's a very insecure, you know, being in the NFL is very insecure, right? Because there's like seven guys there, eight guys there, and they're going to keep three, you know? And so you go through the process, and every day you're only as good as your last play, and you're constantly being evaluated. So mentally it's tough. Physically, I mean, you know, if you're, you know, uh, you have to play with pain. That's just the way it goes. If you're injured, you got to figure out a way to, to work to work around it. And, uh, you know, they teach you early on to play with pain, right? So there's a difference between pain and injury, right? If you're injured, okay, we get it. But if you're in pain, well, that's the way it goes. That's what football is. It's painful. And so, you know, learning to play with pain and all you, you know, every player that you see out there is playing with some sort of pain. Right. Right. And and to do what they do with, you know, overcoming that pain. I mean, the, the general public has really no idea as to what they're dealing with and, you know, they think, oh, you know, they, they're, they're a good player. They keep performing. But, um, you know, uh, they're dealing with a lot of pain. So I, I my hat's off to every player that's out there playing because I know what they're dealing with. Uh, Andy Parker, former Raider tight end. He'll be in Canton, Ohio for the summer of Cliff, the induction of Cliff Branch into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So, Andy, tell us about your family and what you're doing in your life today. What's going on? Well, I feel very blessed. You know, I have three kids. They're all grown up. Uh Graduated from college, all married. Uh, two are two are with kids. Well, one's about to have one. I have mm-hmm. two other grandkids. Uh, been with my wife, uh, my lovely wife Jennifer, for thirty six years. Wow! And uh, yeah, just uh, looking forward to the next phase of life. Great. We're looking forward to seeing you in Canton. How excited are you for that trip coming up with the Raiders and the generosity of Mark Davis bringing so many former teammates back. You know, it's a, it's a bittersweet thing, but, you know, Mark Davis, uh, very kind to, to pull that off and to, to offer what, what he has to kind of gel people together. Uh, like I said, it's a bittersweet moment. You know, we're going to enjoy celebrating uh, Cliff Branch um, both in, in life and, and after life and, mm-hmm. and his career. And, um, yeah, so looking forward to it, I guess. Sounds good, Andy. I'll see you in Canton. Uh, thanks for doing this. And once a Raider, always a Raider. Appreciate your time. 
Thank you so much. Andy Parker, a really good special teams player, played with the Raiders in two since 84 to 88, and then 1990, former teammate of Cliff, and he'll be in Canton, Ohio, and excited about that. You know, we talked about the brutality. He, that's his term, the brutality of this. So he's a linebacker. He gets dumped at the end. I didn't know the story. Goes to Utah, really good tight end, comes into the league and becomes a special teams captain for the Raiders. Because he said, they said, hey, can you cover kicks? Yeah, I'm a linebacker. I'm a linebacker. I can do that. Becomes a special teams captain. And as one of his, uh, his former teammates texted me, a lot of times when I have individuals like Andy on, players that I, don't, I didn't get a chance to see play, I, I text the former teammates. And this is a quote. He was a very good blocker, great teammate, very quiet in the locker room, very smart, prepared player, studied hard and practiced hard. He was our special teams captain twice. I really remember Andy for being like a coach on the field. I wouldn't be surprised if he was a coach, a really good fifth-round pick. So we appreciate Andy Parker coming on. Kenny King will join us Wednesday. Really excited to talk to him again as we continue on. 702-365-9200. Cliff Branch's countdown to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Brought to you by the Botanist Gin. Cool, refreshing. If you've ever had a gin and tonic... This is the new one that will blow your mind. Part of our team at Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence, had a few of the botanist gins. Throw in a cool lemon or a lime, and it'll change the way you look at a gin drink. The botanist, proud partner of our show. Amin El Hassan from NBA Summer League, next. Plunkett drops back to pass. Steps up. He looks. Over the middle. He's got it. Touchdown, Raiders! It's caught by Cliff Branch. Cliff Branch, who got 66 yards last December of 1979 with a touchdown pass from Kenny Stabler in the same turf. In the end zone waiting. Plunkett put things over very calmly and then dumped it to him. Bill King. How about that call? Plunkett to Branch. Cliff had to wait too long. Why is Jim Plunkett waiting for his induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame? As we're brought to you by Virgin Hotels, Las Vegas. Staten Island David, native Sal Vulcano, is best known for creating and starring in True TV's long-running hit, Impractical Jokers, and for the Misery Index on TBS. In addition to performing as part of the Tenderloins comedy troupe to sold-out arenas, Sal founded the No Press Network in 2020, hosting Hey Babe and Taste Buds podcasts. Come visit us here at Virgin Hotels, Las Vegas, July 15th. Have a laugh out loud Friday night with Sal. Doors open up at 7 p.m. That is Virgin Hotels, Las Vegas. Proud partner of our show. You're going to be hearing about a lot of the comedy the live music, the entertainment, everything that's happening with the new Virgin Hotels. And a lot of new things are happening there. That's why we're partnering with them. We appreciate that. Right across the street is NBA Summer League. Amin El Hassan, kind enough to join us from SiriusXM, NBA Radio, his podcast, everything he does. He's also a teammate of mine on Mad Dog Sports Radio. Amin, thanks for doing this. And let, let me know about your opinion on the evolution of Summer League now that you're here, the first time you came to Vegas and what you're seeing now. Oh, man, Brick. I mean, what an event. It came in 2004. There were only six teams, I think, competing at the time, and they put it together kind of last minute. And to see what it's become now, there's 
huge event. It's like a carnival. People are coming from all over the country and all over the world, really, to come get the first glimpses at the stars of tomorrow. Um, and then all the NBA people are here, the execs, the coaches, sometimes the players. LeBron showed up, Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook. You know, it's just a, a great celebration of basketball. And the best thing about it is it's affordable and it's accessible. $40 gets you access to all the games of the day, and you walk around and you're you can you you can reach out and touch a Tyler Hero or a Trey Young or a Kyle Kuzma. These guys are all around and everyone's in a good mood. Man, I, I, it's truly my favorite event in the entire NBA calendar. I love that. I love that you're saying about that and Albert Hall and everybody behind the scenes here, how they put it together, and you nailed it. I mean, is the fact that players who aren't playing, the legends and the great players in this league, believe they have to be there now to support the young players who are coming in, especially the high draft picks. I love that, that you see them in the middle of a game just roll in and they sit courtside and the fans and the kids. And let's touch on that too, the kids, how they're able to get autographs and it seems like the players really want to uh, interact with them, not only at the game, but in and around the city of Vegas at the casinos and the hotels and on the streets. Yeah, Brick, I mean, the reality is if you go to an actual NBA game, right? let's say you fly out to Phoenix or L.A., you pay, you know, a lot of money to be in the lower bowl. What ends up happening is um, you can't, even if you are in the lower bowl, there's only so far you can go. They'll stop, security will stop you. Ushers will stop you from advancing. And the players rarely come anywhere off of the hardwood, right? They're not in the courtside seats or, or anything like that. So there's a separation of inaccessibility. At Summer League, they're all here. And you yeah. can walk right up to them. You know, I'm not saying you can run up on the floor. Of course, there are still rules and security and all that. But it's just a lot more accessible than your average NBA event. And so when you think about what, they're, uh, what they've accomplished, what Albert Hall and Warren Legarry have accomplished, they made summer matter. Um, yes. And, they, and, you know, in a way that I think really resonates with people and, you know, I'll be honest with you, you know, 2007, the All-Star Game was here in Vegas, and I don't think Vegas had a good reputation with the NBA after. But what's happened in the 15 years since with Summer League has completely changed the opinion about Vegas. You see it when the G League Showcase in December is now held here. You see it uh, when people talk about expansion teams. Vegas is always one of the places listed along with Seattle as a possible expansion site. Um, And I, I... give a lot of credit to Albert Hall and Warren Legary for doing that. Absolutely. Amin Al-Hassan joins us from NBA Radio and Mad Dog Sports Radio. All right, the big topic, I don't know how much you put into this because you know the game well. Damian Lillard is not going to win in Portland. I don't believe believe he has a 5% chance, and I don't think Bradley Beal has a bigger than 5% chance, but you cannot turn down that generational wealth because they're not turning down a difference of $10 to go somewhere else. We're talking about 30 or 40 million for guys in their 20s turning 30s in their early 30s. So where do you stand on that, knowing that they're probably not going to win with those teams? You know, it's funny. When I was growing up, they used to complain about players that only cared about money. They didn't care about winning. And then we started seeing players take less money to go to better situations to win. And people started complaining about how soft they are. And how, like, oh, my, my generation, we would never do that. We would have gone down with the ship. These guys just want a shortcut and an easy way out. And I, would, I just sat back and I smiled. Like, well, which one is it? Do players only care about money or are they 
soft and don't care about, and only want to win the easy way, right? And the reality is it's neither. Uh, you, you do what's best for you. Now, I think Lillard and Beal are in two different situations. You know, for Beal, if you look at Washington's cap sheet, they have a lot of flexibility. Outside of him, there are no long-term deals. Everyone's on two-year deals, one year and a player option, two years and a player option, stuff like that. So they're going to have the ability to have a lot of flexibility moving forward. They're not married to anybody on the team other than Beal. You look at Lillard, it's a different situation because Simon signed long-term. Nurk is time long-term. Peyton time long-term. Um, and, and Josh Hart and a couple other names there. So, you you know, you look at the Blazers' cap sheet, and you're like, oh, this is their team. They're not going to be able to get better unless Anthony Simon takes a huge leap forward. And so that's, that makes the Damian situation a little different, a little bit more kind of bleak, as you said, because, you know, if I tell you, you know, and this is real, the Blazers are a tax-paying team this year. They're going to be paying the luxury tax. But when you look at what they have out there, when you look at what they have out there, and I say, are they better than the Suns? Are they better than the Grizzlies? Are they better than the Warriors? Are they better than the Denver Nuggets and they're healthy? Are they better than the Dallas Mavericks? Are they better than the Clippers and they're healthy? Are they better than the Minnesota Timberwolves? Are they better than New Orleans? And I just named eight teams. Yeah. So you're paying the luxury tax for a team that's going to, at best, be a play-in tournament team. That's not good enough. And so that's why I think Dane's situation is a little bit more bleak from a winning perspective than Bradley Beal's is. Last one, there is sound of uh, Darvin Ham doubling down again on Russell Westbrook about how he plays with speed and he's tenacious and ferocious. When you're hearing him talk, and I'm sure you're talking with him at some point in summer league, what, what do you suggest is going on here, that he knows they can't get out of that contract, or at least I don't know how they can, and he, he, there's no, nothing else Ham could say other than he's going to coach him differently and better because he's stuck with this $47 million until next year, and he just wants to say the right things to not get Russ upset here because they can't do much, and they're stuck with him. Brick, I have said this for years. I want my kids to tell me the truth. I want yeah my elected officials to tell me the truth. I don't want NBA coaches to tell me the truth. Lie to me. Just say whatever. Why, <laughs> why could, what good would it do if he said, oh, my God, well, if it wasn't because his salary is so immovable and he's not good. Like, well, how would that help them? How would that help them solve the situation? It wouldn't do any of that. It would just make his life more difficult. So the reality is Darvin Ham did the right thing in terms of doing it. Does it just lie and say all the right things and hope something happens. And if nothing happens, just make the best of the situation because at the end of the day, that's all he can do. Absolutely. I'll see you in a couple of days over at the Thomas and Mac. Thanks for joining us. Always appreciate you. Yep. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, Britt. You got it. I mean, appreciate it. Emil Al Hassan over at NBA Summer League. Uh, look forward to seeing him out there. The conversation that we just had makes me feel uh, different about Vegas and basketball. I'm not a fan of Vegas and baseball other than the AAA team. I think Don Logan and everybody at the Aviators, that's where I live. I live in the neighborhood. I love it. I don't love the A's in the Raider relationship. I'm the only one who has the balls to say that on the Raiders, on the radio. The Raiders have no relationship with the A's, and the A's made it that way. They did. Every Raider and A's fan will tell you that. They could coexist in Oakland, and they didn't. They're not supposed to coexist in Vegas. Okay? Mark, I'll, I will die on the hill for that one. 
Mark Davis got here before the A's. So if the NBA comes here, which I hope they do before the A's, we won't have this A's conversation anymore because I'm pro-business. I want everybody to be here. But the A's don't deserve to be here. They're horribly run. They don't care about their product. They don't care about Oakland. They're running the brand into town. So when I, when I hear about Amin talking about the history of Vegas and the NBA, the All-Star game was a dark week here. It was a terrible week. It was not a good memory, the All-Star game here. It was a bad moment in Vegas sports history. I think the NBA could get it right if they come here, and I hope they do it before the A's. Hour one in the can. Big hour on the summer of Cliff Branch as we continue.